loves me when I'm happy and everything seems right. He keeps my glad heart singing from morning until night. He gives me blessed assurance when trials lay me low. He guides my wandering footsteps in paths that I should go. What a friend we have in Jesus, my Savior from above. On the cross he sealed my pardon with everlasting love. Oh, how I love to serve him. His grace has set me free. I will sing his praise forever. He's everything to me. My cup is overflowing with love and joy divine. No matter what may happen, his grace is always mine. God's will is to him for comfort he promised to be near his presence brings assurance and drives away all fear and someday i will see him in glory face to face i'll praise his name forever and sing of wondrous grace what a friend i have in jesus my savior from above on the cross he sealed my pardon with everlasting love oh I will sing his praise forever. He's everything to me. Oh, how I love to serve him. His grace has set me free. I will sing his praise forever. He's everything to me. What a friend. Amen. Amen. Well, let's take our Bible, turn over to, okay, take our Bibles and turn over to, boy, there's all kind of weird noises tonight. All right. Take our Bibles, turn over to Revelation chapter 12, and that uh, sound system popped a little bit ago during prayer. I about had a, the big one. I mean, I come up, oh, and all the teenagers, the guys were laughing at me. I think they thought, wow, what a wimp. That was just called quick reflexes. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. We've been dealing with our Bible truth series and we've been talking about Satan. That's not a topic we like to address or deal with often, but it's something we do need to deal with, only in that we need to know our enemy a little bit. If we get to know our enemy, we can better defend uh, our position. We can attack more competently and effectively. And so we, we need to do that. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he, he mentions, Let Satan, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, uh, for we are not ignorant of his devices. But we've got to understand what he does, how he operates, and it'll help us. And so we're not here to elevate the devil. We're not here to somehow give him, you know, copy or time. We're here to simply reveal how he functions and operates, and a little bit more about him so that we can better, as I said, defend ourselves as well as attack properly. 
Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And I'll tell you what, we have an accuser, and we definitely have an enemy that we have to be uh, aware of, and it has to be addressed on a consistent daily basis. I'm more convinced than ever that satanic influence and impact and just satanic uh, uh, presence is around us more and more all the time. I think it's always been there, but I think uh, as Americans, we've been shielded and we've been protected so often from so many of the kind of things that the world's been dealing with for years and years and years. Now, here we are kind of in the boat with the rest of them, and we're finding ourselves feeling a little insecure at times, of feeling a little unsafe, like what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, the devil is going to use fear and he's going to use tactics to try to get us off our game and keep us from focusing on the things that matter most, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of God, so that we can focus more on us and the things of, in our own life, and boy, that'll just distract us from really accomplishing what God called us to do. So we've been talking about the devil. We've been trying to understand a little bit about him. We said that he's called the old serpent. He was also called the tempter. We touched on this issue that when man rebelled against God by following Satan, the devil became the god of this world. Little g-god, not big g-god, little g-god. He's also called the prince of the power of the air in the book of Ephesians. We noted that he's the ruler of darkness. We said he's the prince of this world. And then we talked a little bit about his personality because Satan is a person. He's not just some, some presence. He's not just an evil spirit. He is literally a person and he has a personality. And so we noted a couple of uh, situations in which we find him functioning and operating. We recognize that he does have personality. And tonight, I want to pick up and I want to talk about Satan's character tonight. A little bit about his character. I read a quote by Billy Graham today. It says, don't think of Satan as a harmless cartoon character with a red suit and a pitchfork. He is very clever and powerful and his unchanging purpose is to defeat God's plan at every turn, including his plans for your life. I thought that's pretty good. Boy, is he ever wanting to disrupt and destroy and wreck and ruin God's plan in your life and in mine. He wants to do that. And how will he do that? Well, as we get to know him, we learn more about how he's going to do it. One thing we can talk about tonight is his character. Let's do that tonight. But before we do, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to put a hedge about us and protect us. Because listen, he is an enemy that is worthy. Uh, only the Lord Jesus Christ can truly protect us from him. Father, we come to you and we ask, dear God, that you would allow your hand of protection to be upon us tonight. Lord, uh, I, I'm not so arrogant or prideful to think somehow that I can contend with Satan. That's not going to happen. Lord, I'm just asking you to show up here and that you would put up the, a wall of protection, a hedge of protection around this place and around each family and around each person. Lord, may I know that, Father, there's spiritual warfare taking place in our midst, but Lord, again, protect your people. Lord, we desperately need you tonight. May you help us to recognize 
uh, more about Satan so that we can better defend ourselves. We can better go on the offense. Not so that we can in any way give him free airtime or somehow elevate him or exalt him. That's not the purpose at all, Lord. We just want to expose him for who and what he really is. Help us, dear God, we pray now. Be glorified. Now, Father, fill me with your Holy Ghost and allow me to be your mouthpiece tonight. And again, anoint every listening ear that we might hear with spiritual ears. Lord, we need you to make this profitable. We won't, it won't be profitable without you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First of all, we talk about Satan's character. He's a murderer. I mean, take your Bible, look at John chapter 8. And again, you probably know this verse and some of you may know portions of it even by heart. But maybe you don't. But let me tell you something. It reveals something about Satan. And one of the things it reveals about Satan is that he was a murderer. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a very positive characteristic. John chapter 8, verse 44. In John chapter 8, verse 44, we read, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Now in John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ again is addressing these religious leaders of that day. And he looks at them and he stares them in the eye and he just says to them literally, You are of your father the devil. That's a pretty powerful statement. And I'm sure that went over like a lead balloon. Let's face it, I mean, here are the elite of the elite. These are the religious leaders of the nation. And he looks them in the eye and he says, Ye are of your father, the devil. You may think you're obeying God. You may think you're doing something great on behalf of the Lord. But the fact is, you're of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Wow. Now that's a, that's a scathing accusation. And it is a very real summation of their situation. <laughs> Jesus never lied. He told the truth. And so here they are. He's laying it out there for them. Now, that truth is further reinforced in John chapter 10. The devil is a murderer. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So we have this, this comparison. Jesus Christ is saying now, listen, um, here's the devil. Let me explain give you some insight into him and his character, and then you have me on the other side. So the devil and me. Okay, the devil, he's a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he does. That's his character. I'm come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. So he's about death and destruction. That is what Satan is all about, death and destruction. That's not just what he does, that's who he is. And it's important to recognize that. This is his character. This is his makeup. He is a murderer from the beginning, the Bible says. He's never been anything but a murderer in that, that, that sense of the word. A murderer. 
from the very beginning to the time that Jesus is speaking to our day, he is still a murderer. That's not a good thing to be. I don't know about you, but if I was out at a restaurant tonight and I was sitting down having some meal with my family and I found out that the guy sitting beside us was a convicted murderer that was never put in jail, never paid any time, here he was out on the loose and he had just murdered some people in a house next door, I'd be a little concerned and nervous. And yet we live our lives as though Satan is somebody we can just kind of pat him on the head and say, all right, you take it easy, Satan. We're we got control of this. We can handle it. We'll deal with it. You're not that big a deal. Just go have a seat. We're not worried about what you can or can't do in our lives. Let me tell you something. You better be concerned about that one. He's a problem. The believers admonished to be quite different than Satan is. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. We need to take this person, Satan, very seriously. Again, I I like what Billy Graham said. Don't think of Satan as a harmless cartoon character with a red suit and a pitchfork. You know, that is sometimes, if we're not careful, the kind of mentality of the attitude that we we come to. And that's not accurate at all. 1 Peter 4, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. He's talking to uh, Peter now, the the apostle, saying to the the believer, he's saying, listen, let none of you suffer as a murderer. Don't any of you commit murder. Don't any of you do that which is worthy of suffering or paying the consequence of murder. That's not what you should be doing as a believer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Wow, isn't that something? I don't know why, but that just kind of kind of really emphasizes the need to stay out of people's business. Because that means you're just like the murderer. Because he's listing you along with him. You know, we're all so anxious to try to figure out what's going on in everybody else's lives. Why don't we worry about ours and get it right? Well, I'm his brother or sister in Christ. I'm going to help fix them. Hey, let's fix ourselves. And then let's worry about that if we got time to do it. And maybe there might be somebody that's actually investing in the life in a much broader sense or even more specific sense that could do it. I mean, have you discipled that person? Have you been over visiting them on a consistent basis? Do you talk to them on the phone all the time? I mean, what's your involvement in their life? Because if there's no investment, there is no influence. And all you're doing is being a busybody probably. Thanks, preacher. We love you for talking to us straight like that. That's such a help to us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the preacher. (laughs) Watch this. Verse 16. Some of you know it by heart. There's, what, 24 of us that learned all 48 verses, right? Here's one of them. Don't ask me to memorize it or to say it back to you right now. No, I'm teasing. But yet if a man suffers a Christian, let him not be what? Ashamed. He goes on to say, but let him glory, glorify God on this behalf. He says, listen, if you get stuck in a position where you're suffering as a Christian, you're doing the right thing, but guess what? You're still suffering? Well, then glorify God on that behalf. Wow, that's a tough pill to swallow, huh? But he said, let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Hey, he was a murderer. That's who Satan is. That's not just what he does, that's who he is. That's his character. Number two, 
as we already noted, he's a liar then. That same verse makes it very clear. Not only is he a murderer, he's a liar. Again, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and bode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I don't know if I've ever had any more fun teaching vacation Bible school to groups of children than I did when I taught this verse. Man, it is fun. When you can get up there and go crazy about the devil is a liar. Man, I'll tell you what, that's good. It's fun. Let me tell you something. He's a liar. Let me say this. If the truth is not in you, then you can do nothing but lie. And that's what the passage is saying. Notice it says, and he abode not in the truth because the truth is not, because there is no truth in him. There's no truth in him. Now watch the next phrase. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You know why he speaks only lies? Because there's no truth in him. I don't know about you, but that kind of, kind of makes me a little nervous. You say, why? Because I realize how important, incredibly important it is then that there's truth in me. Because if there's not, then what will I do? I'll lie. Now, we get the idea sometimes that lying is simply going around thinking, okay, I know what is true, what is wrong. For instance, you know that these walls are red. The walls in our church are red. And I mean to tell you, I know they're not red, but I'm telling everybody out there, the walls at the church are red. That would be what? A lie. But you know what? Sometimes we share what we think to be truth as far as what we believe as truth when it is a lie. We have a position about relationships. We have a position about church attendance. We have a position about service. We have a position about humility. We have a position about pride. we got these positions that we have as believers. If they do not line up with the Word of God, we are spreading lies. You better make sure that you have the truth in you. I'm not talking about that you just think you're truthful. You need the truth in you, and so do I. Otherwise, we will not speak truth. We will speak our own opinion. And what does the Bible tell us about that? That's not a good thing. It let God be true, but every man a what? Liar. When we fail to align ourselves with God's truths, we become the liar. That's serious business. The devil was a liar. Why? Because there's no truth in him. If we don't memorize scripture, if we don't hide it in our heart, if we don't allow it to sink into our lives and, and, and truly fuel us in our daily walk, then we too will find ourselves saying things that are falsehoods and, and, and lies even. What does, the, what does the devil lie about? Oh, he lies about so many things, doesn't he? Let me just give you three simple, uh, simple examples, real simple ones. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Very simple. I mean, you, you could probably write a list as long as your arm right now. I, I know that. But let me just humor me for just a minute. 
Man, he, he has, there's nothing he says that's really true. He may wrap a little truth around it, but in the end, it's all the lie he's selling. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. We understand that Adam and Eve are in the garden, of course, and now we find that, well, they're, they're you know, being tempted, and especially Eve at this point. We see Eve being tempted by the serpent, who's more subtle than any beast of the field. And notice what he says. And the serpent, verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4 of Genesis, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now wait a second. If I'm not mistaken, God told him, If you eat of the true, true, uh, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Well, the devil says... He says, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, he has no truth in him, so he can't tell the truth. Hold on. I think you know where you think I'm going. But let me tell you the three thoughts that I have, the three lies that the devil gives us that I see right in these two little passages. Number one, you won't really pay for your rebellion and disobedience. You say, where do you get that? Verse 3, you shall not surely die. He tells people all the time, don't worry about it. Go live your life the way you choose. Make any decision you want to. It'll be fine. There's not going to be no real repercussions. There's not going to be any real consequences. The, devil, the Lord's not going to make you pay the price for that sin. He's a God of love. What is that noise? It keeps going off. What is that noise? Is we have a little kid, a four or five-year-old, under the baptistry? It's weird. I keep hearing it, you know. It's a... If I wasn't in church, I'd think I was in a horror movie. I'd be looking like, <laughs> what is that noise? You know, it's scaring me, man. But I'm trusting the Lord. I'm, no fear in me. <laughs> okay, here we go. So you won't really pay that your, uh, for your rebellion and disobedience. You shall not surely die. He's never told you that. The devil's never lied to you about that? Teenager, you mean to tell you, you've never thought about doing something wrong and you thought, man, I don't know, I better not do that, I might get caught. And something inside says, no, you'll be fine, just do it. He lied to you. See, the devil's lying to you. And you want to know something? That happens to adults all the time, too. Okay, hold on. What else do we learn here from the passage? Look at verse 5, the very beginning of it. He says, he says in that passage, he says, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof. You say, what are you getting at? Well, you can't trust God. See, you're not going to pay for your rebellion. You shall not surely die. Because why? Well, for God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. You, 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 you can't, can't trust God. He's, he's saying these things. He's manipulating you. He's, he's deceiving you to some degree. He's making it seem like he's making it seem like, you know, well, it's not going to be good if you do this. He's not going to hold you accountable, but then also he's, he really can't be trusted. Because, watch this one, God withholds his best from you. Because, see, for God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof. 
He already knows the truth. He doesn't want you to know the truth. You can't trust him. Because the truth is, is that your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. You'll be like him. So you can't really trust him. He's manipulating you. He's trying to get you. Oh, wow. He's got us all messed up. He's lying to us about the fact that we will not pay for our rebellion and disobedience. He lies to us about that God cannot be trusted and that God withholds his best. Because he, all these things would happen to you if you'd only do them. But God doesn't want you to experience those good things. He withholds the very best things from you. God, the devil has never done that to any of us. Never said that to us, right? You know how it is when you're a teenager and there's certain things that you want to experience as a teenager that only you do in marriage and some other things like that. And the devil says to you, they're just withholding the best things. You're just not going to enjoy life. You might as well enjoy life. You're missing out on all the good stuff. You think that's the Lord telling you that? He's trying to warn you, don't do some things because it's in your best interest to wait on me, the Lord says, to put things in the proper order, to do things according to my word. And, and, and the devil's going, no, it isn't. You can't trust him. He's trying to do what's... He wants you to worship him and he wants you to bow down to him. It's all about him. What about you? That's how the devil operates. Nobody's ever felt that way in here, though. Hey, this is the devil we're dealing with. So let me ask you this. How serious is this sin in God's eyes, this lying? How serious is it? Well, we had another verse, remember? Proverbs 20, 12, 22. Come on now, you know it. Does anybody remember it? Can somebody quote it for me other than you? Nope, that's not it. No, it is it. I'm teasing you. <clears throat> I just couldn't let her think she got it the first time. Come on, the pride will just go off the charts. No, that was excellent. Lying lips, she said, are an abomination of the Lord. They're an abomination. But they that deal truly are his delight. Lying lips are an abomination of the Lord. That's how serious this is. Do you know the one sin that drove me crazy with my kids? If there, there was one thing that I lost my mind over. It was lying. Lying. I never wanted a liar in my house. No way. A lot of things kids can mess up, but I don't know liar. And boy, I tell you what, if that was even a consideration, you got it really good. Really good. Or you might even say really bad. You know what? God doesn't like lying. It's a really bad thing. Number three, this will be our last one tonight. He is proud. He's proud. Of course, we saw glaring evidence of that in his rebellion in the very beginning, didn't we? Ezekiel, turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. It's a tough balance to reach. You know, people will be like, well, shouldn't you be proud of that accomplishment that you had? Yeah, I mean, 
You've got to be careful how we, how we view it, okay? There is an element of satisfaction that comes from doing a job well, and we ought to have that sense of satisfaction. But we shouldn't have a sense of, of, of pride that causes us to go, well, look how good I did that. Nobody else does it like that. And we can look down on others because we think we're so good at what we did. You know, wow, look at, look at me. Look at how good I did that. You know, boy, I sang that song. There were four of us that sang. And uh, mine was the best. Well, you know, if you did a good job, then I don't have a problem with you feeling a sense of satisfaction. And, you're proud, and we say the word proud, you're proud of working hard and putting forth the effort and the Lord blessed it and you were happy about that and grateful toward that. But boy, you got to be careful. You know, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't want no children up on the stage singing. You say, you don't like it. I'm not talking about when the groups get together, but I don't want kids coming up here singing solos or duets when they're under the age of about 13. You say, why not? Because pride. You think it's hard on adults to deal with pride? Let a little kid think that, you know, kids, people lie to kids all the time. Kid can be up there going, Jesus love me that I know for the And everybody's going, you did so good. You're such a wonderful singer. It's so wonderful. Oh. And the kid's going, thank you. And then all their friends around there are all going, I'm a good singer. You don't think that happens. We better be careful. You be careful how you throw compliments on your children. Don't lie to your kids. You don't have to be mean to them. But don't lie to them. You're the smartest kid in the world. No, they're not. It's like every other stupid kid. They're all dumb. They all do crazy stuff. That's why they jump off of steps and wreck and ruin their knees before they're the age of 12. Some of you are going, I'm offended. You said stupid. Whatever. My kids are, well, they're not really that well adjusted, but they're doing okay. But really, we do stupid stuff. I could say dumb stuff. Okay, that, that's better. Maybe some of you aren't so offended. Dumb stuff. But kids are all like that. They're nuts. Go out and listen to them. I sit in my office and hear them running the halls back and forth before the services. And I think, what are they doing up there? I wonder if the lights are on even. Because I know the lights aren't on here. But you know what? I have no idea what I'm talking about, but moving on, I just lost my train of thought. No, we're talking about pride. I get it. But you know what? It's okay. I get it. But we got to be careful. We don't want to lie to people. Somebody does a song. I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought the choir did excellent the other night. Now I got up here and said something. I would not say that if I didn't believe it. I wouldn't do that just to try to encourage them. I'd said that because I meant it. And if we'll be honest with people, when you do get a compliment, they'll know that it's real. You know? Now, if your wife says something like, do I look fat in this dress? <laughs> don't be honest. <laughs> Just don't give all the truth unless you can say it with a real straight face. <laughs> Some guys just don't know when to be quiet. Smile and go, 
you're always lovely, honey. And don't ask her if you look a little chubby in your suit either. You might get a real answer too. It's funny. I'm always like talking to my wife. She's like, some, you know how women are. I want to, I need to lose some weight. And I'm always like, yeah, I got a little bit. And I'm thinking she's going to go, you don't really have hardly any weight to lose. And she's always like, yeah, you could use a few. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? I mean, look at this. I didn't want to hear that. But she's at least being honest. She's not a liar, I'll tell you that. Ezekiel chapter 28. He says, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of the bright brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Again, we saw early on the rebellion. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. You know, and, and again, I'm kind of talking about things that are kind of off the cuff here. But, you know, if I, if I see your little girls, and, and I love to talk to the little kids, but what I don't like to do too much, and I, every once in a while I'll slip up on this, but I never like to tell a little girl, you're so pretty. Because I don't want her to think somehow that beauty is how she receives affirmation. She's not always going to be beautiful. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, okay? But beauty is only skin deep. Unless you've got Christ in you, and then beauty's all the way through. But this out here doesn't last forever. Or maybe there's a car accident. Or maybe there's an accident and the face is scarred. Or the body's been maimed. All of a sudden then they're worthless because they've always built their credibility. They've always built their, their, their feeling of self-worth in their outward appearance. I get so fed up with how the world always puts so much emphasis on the outside. It's dangerous. But I like to say things like, you know, like... Wow, you have such a beautiful countenance. They don't even know what I'm saying sometimes. You have, a, you're so, you're so, have such a sweet spirit. You, I can tell you love Jesus. What? Love Jesus? And they're always like, yeah. Because they do love Jesus. They've been taught well by you. I want to encourage them in spiritual things. I want them to know that their beauty is not just in their appearance, Every once in a while, I'll tell one of the ladies, man, I love your brooch. Okay, that's fine, but i got to be careful. I don't want to make anybody think that the outward is what's important. And if you've got a wife, of course, you need to do that. You have a responsibility as a man to build her up and to make her feel beautiful. Because she ought to be beautiful in your eyes, no matter what the circumstance. I think about some of these older folks in our church, and as they grow older, I've seen pictures of some of the older people in our church, and man, I need to tell you, some of the girls were knockouts. And the guys were handsome dudes. And you look at them now, right, guys? I mean, you know, I'm getting older. I've seen myself in a mirror lately. I mean, I, I, you can't even imagine what I used to look like. <laughs> but I mean, you, but I'll tell you what, when you love somebody like you're supposed to love them, that beauty goes far beyond this. Far beyond this. Man, what a blessing that is, too. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to see past all that mess. And even then, that mess becomes beautiful to us because we know how much it's sacrificed on our behalf. 
I'm getting off topic a little bit, I know, but let me just finish this up because we've got to close this out. We've got a baptism tonight. Isaiah 14, and don't need to turn there, but he says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Satan is prideful. That's his character. That's who he is. That's what he is. Pride is destructive. It produces nothing good. Every human being is prone to pride, however, but it's never condoned by God. Not, not pride, not that kind of arrogance. Pride can lead someone to feel they're more important or better than other people. Pride can manifest itself as what they would say, excess self-esteem. You think, you just, again, you feel too highly of yourself again. It's reflected in statements like this. Oh, he had too much pride to ask for help. He has too much pride to ask for help. Isn't it sad that we get to the place where we'll never ask for help? You say, well, that's because I will not. That's pride. It really is rooted in pride. Or her pride prevented her from admitting she was wrong. Oh, I would never admit I'm wrong. Why? It's pride. Pride makes us very uncomfortable to say things like, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. I made a mistake. Pride doesn't, that's uncomfortable. We don't want to say that. Pride will keep us from saying those things. Pride leads a person to view themselves superior to others and sadly superior to God, whether they believe that's the case or not. Because that's where it led Satan, right? And that's where pride always leads a man, a woman. And that's why God's so serious about the issue of pride. Proverbs 16, 5 says this, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. That is a scathing remark. That, that is, that's scary right there. Fellas, you and I know, in our own hearts, that's an area we have to war with. We're driving down the road, someone cuts us off. Whoops! Why does I get so upset because someone cut, cuts me off? Because I don't feel I deserve that. I think they're being so disrespectful to me. That's stupid. They're going to kill somebody. No, they were going to kill you. And the truth is, is you didn't like it because you don't deserve that because you're better than that. It's about me. You shouldn't cut me off. You got to cut that guy off and I'd be like, look at that. That guy's an idiot. He's crazy. But when he does it to me, I get all offended and all up and, oh, man, I'm bowing up. I mean, we'll pull beside him and go, Buck. So he's, look at that guy playing his music so loud beside me. He doesn't have any respect for anybody else. Was it, was it really about that or is it about the fact that you're offended by it? That can be pride. I'm telling you, it can. And I'm just saying, we got to be careful with this pride of ours. You know? What, 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 could, what could, and i got to quit, but what could someone do to you in this church? I mean, how bad could they treat you before you would let your pride get in the middle of it? I mean, what if you're an adult teacher and somebody comes to you and says, your teaching's terrible. How do you handle that? How do you handle that? I've never had to handle that. But anyway, I, I just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know what I'm saying? How do you deal with that stuff? Man, if pride's in there, it could get ugly fast. 
We've got to understand that this pride can't rule us. And boy, Satan, that's who he is. He is, his character is prideful. He is a murderer. He's a liar. He's proud. He's a mess. He is a mess. Well, where are you at in your life? You ever think those thoughts? The Bible says if you think about killing somebody, you've already committed murder. I mean, have you ever, do you still lie? You stretch the truth? You know, you tell those little white lies we talk about? Oh, I just lie sometimes just to spare people's feelings. Be careful with that one. It's still a lie. Be tactful, but lying's not the answer. And then where's our pride at? Ladies, you got pride too. Who are we kidding? You walk in here with your dresses and your clothes on, and sometimes you start comparing yourself to each other. Because you want to see who's got the prettiest stuff on. I look at them. They always dress so nice. Wish I had all that money. You know what that is? That's pride. You got it too. You got to fight it, don't you? Well, that she always gets to sing the solos. Be careful. Be, be careful. That's all I'm saying. Be careful. That's an abomination of God. Listen, you might not think it's fair. Go talk to somebody about it. But be careful. It's not your pride that's doing the talking. Just be careful. I, I, I don't know. So maybe, maybe you got to deal with something tonight. It's kind of unusual tonight. I know. I kind of get in here and just talk tonight a little bit. Boy, what's God speaking to you about? What's he doing in your life? You ought to be doing something. Let's do business with God tonight if we need to. And let's take some of these things to heart. Let's not lie. Let's not murder in our heart toward people. Let's not find ourselves in a place where pride is ruling us. Die to self and crucify self daily. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all you do for us. You're a good God, and we do thank you for your love and your grace, for your mercy. We just pray now, Father, that you would bless us this evening as we take just a few moments to reflect and also, Lord, just to even realign ourselves with you through uh, uh, just uh, the altar at times. And again, Lord, as, you know, you, you speak to people. I, I get up here and I talk a lot, but Lord, if, if you're not working through that if you're not the one doing the real speaking nothing permanent nothing eternal will be accomplished so we're asking you to just speak to hearts and to work in lives and lord this is the cream of the crop these are the ones these folks tonight lord are the church i mean they're the foundation of the church they're faithful to all the services they're out knocking doors many times they're the ones that are doing uh, all the ministry and so lord there's no doubt that I believe they want to be right with you, but Lord, in the world in which we live, it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to find ourselves being just redirected, having our attention drawn away from you and sometimes onto ourselves or the world, and it becomes a very critical, cynical, negative type of a mentality, and Lord, we don't really honor you at that point, and help us, Lord, just to please you with our life and our lips. We love you now. We desperately need you tonight. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.